everybody. Welcome back to the Radical Candor podcast. I am Kim Scott, author of Radical Candor and co-founder of Radical Candor, the company. And I'm Jason Rosoff, CEO and co-founder of Radical Candor. And I'm Amy Sandler, Chief Marketing Officer of Radical Candor, a candor coach, and I will be your host for the podcast, Radical Candor, how to kick ass at work without losing your humanity. Before we dive into today's topic, which is how to check in with your team when working remotely, I'm going to turn it over to Kim, who really wants to give you all an update on what happened to Candor Inc. and what the company Radical Candor is all about. So we got a little feedback after the last podcast. What happened to Russ? So here's what's happened to Russ and what happened uh, in general since our last episode in 2017. Russ and I did a lot of painful soul searching. And we realized that if radical candor is all about putting your phone in the pocket, in your pocket, looking people in the eyes and having a real human conversation, an app was a value subtracting round trip. (laughs) An app was not the way to go. And so we shut down the company. Uh, Russ went on to lead people operations at Qualtrics, and I retreated to my favorite place in the world, the Writer's Cave, where I wrote a blog post, A Big Change for Candor, Inc. And it turns out that, that human conversations are a great way to connect, but so is writing. And happily, this blog post connected me to Jason Rosoff. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting because it, it happened to be posted right at the time when I was leaving the organization that I was a part of Khan Academy. And what I appreciated so much about it was just understanding how deeply you had examined the role of technology in sort of mediating human interaction. And as a person who had created technology that was meant to facilitate education, I realized like how I had experienced directly just how difficult it was to create software that actually didn't get in the way, but instead supported human-to-human interaction, which is a lot of education really is about humans interacting with each other and sharing ideas. And so reading the post um, uh, motivated me to revisit uh, the talk that I had seen uh, earlier that year. And I realized that we were sort of kindred spirits <laughs> uh, and uh, and felt compelled to reach out to you. And, and I, so I started looking through my network to figure out, like, is there someone I know that knows Kim? And luckily, you had met with my friend Ben Caymans, uh, who, who, who you had very generously chatted with as he was doing his own soul searching, uh, and he was able to, uh, to connect us together. And so uh, I, I, I brought uh, to that conversation just like a, a real curiosity in, in sort of the experience that led you to writing that, that blog post. And it turned out to be one of my, the best conversations I had with anyone as I was leaving Khan Academy. So Jason, what was it about the conversation with Kim that got you excited about Radical Candor? Well, I, I think for, for me and for a lot of people who uh, see the talk or read the book, that the thing that feels so, uh, so potent about what, what Kim did, like so like emotionally resonant about what she wrote, is it was such a clear articulation and organized articulation of the struggle that most managers who really care deeply about the relationships they have with their team members, um, uh, the, the things that matter to them are, are, are very hard to define. And Kim did this wonderful job of reducing that down to a simple framework and then uh, reducing it to practice in the guidance that she offers in the second half of the book. And I think like for me, it felt like, 
being seen and understood uh, for, for the first time and not just by somebody else. That was a very nice, that was very, that was a gift in and of itself, but like it helped me see and understand myself in a better way. And so, uh, I was so grateful for that, uh, that I started telling everybody that I knew that they should read this book and like, or watch the talk. And, um, and it was several months, uh, between that conversation and when we actually decided to start the company. But like the way I knew it was the right thing to do is it was the idea that I kept coming back to, like, no matter what else, what other conversation I was having, like that I'd wake up and I would think about radical candor and, and how much, um, it, it felt like it was connecting me, uh, drawing me towards my, my purpose, which was really to help other people, uh, to help other people grow, um, was the best thing I ever did in my, in my career. And so, um, yeah, I, I was very excited about the possibility of starting the organization with her. You like the book so much, you started a company. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two companies we've started. Yeah. So, the, so the, I think that the, the thing that really inspired me about our conversation, Jason, was your commitment to figuring out a way to help people understand this and put this into practice at scale, but also your willingness to do the things that don't scale, to do the talks and to do the workshops and to help people one-on-one understand how to begin to put these ideas into practice. And pretty soon you and I had more, more talks than, uh, than we could handle. And I was really lucky. I got to reach out to my friend Amy, who we've just been speaking with, uh, who I went to business school with. And, and she was teaching mindfulness and emotional intelligence to CEOs. At the same time, Amy, after business school, went to film school and did stand-up comedy. So Amy is one of the only people I know who can make mindfulness funny. Uh, and we'll see this as we, as we go on. It's a unique combination. Uh, and it turns out that it's been really important because one of the things, in addition to the talks and the workshops that we've done to figure out how to scale these ideas and to help people put them into practice is to co-produce a Netflix-style comedy series about how to be radically candid. Um, so it's been uh, it's been quite a journey and tons of fun, and I'm excited to be able to share it with more people now. Well, I'm so excited, and now you've put me on some pressure that I have to be uh, mindfully funny, which will, I guess, be a subject of one of our podcast conversations. I do like to say that when I would do retreats with CEOs, that we, we do mindfulness by day and mindfulness by night, which can sometimes help with help with the funny. So we'll see, depending what time of day you're, you're listening to this podcast, uh, hopefully it will either accompany some humor or some wine. Uh, in season two, we're going to be providing you with some stories, tips, and guidance in each episode. And yes, of course, we will have a checklist. We know how much everyone loves those checklists. We want it to be really practical. We also want the conversation to be casual and candid, and we will be turning the mirror back on ourselves and giving some radical candor on radical candor. I do want to say it's going to be recorded at home, and so what, what we might lose in sound quality, uh, hopefully we will gain in just quality. Uh, so just aware that it might not sound as good as, as, as we might, uh, as we might hope we'll do our best there. We also changed the tagline from the book. Uh, you might notice this, what we've learned doing all these talks and all these workshops, radical candor is not just for bosses. It's, it's for everyone. We can all improve how we 
talk together, how we work together, how we collaborate, whether it's peer-to-peer, upwards feedback um, to, the, to the folks that are our colleagues. Uh, by the way, also works at home, and we're all working at home, so we're <laughs> excited to get into it. Uh, today's episode, we're going to focus on how to check in with your team, whatever size team you might have. What's a check-in? Well, you're going to have to wait a few moments to check that out, because first, we've got a word from our sponsor, Kim Scott. Okay, Kim, I know you hate to sell things. I do hate to sell things. I really hate ads. I especially hate ads because AdSense probably served up a trillion of them while I was working on it. Well, let's see if we can bring a new approach to ads because there is some really cool stuff we want people to know about. So I have to say, technically, this is an ad for the Feedback Loop, our new online learning program. Kim, tell me why you love the feedback loop. So making the feedback loop was one of the most fun things I ever did in my whole career. And looking back on that farewell to Candor Inc. blog post that I wrote three years ago, I realized that I had planted the seed there that there would be a radical Candor TV show. So here it is. We're trying to solve a very basic problem. How can we help people put the ideas of radical Candor into action? Because radical candor is a simple idea, but it's really not so easy to do. So we created this online learning program with Second City Works. Thank Tina Fey, Stephen Colbert. And it includes an hour-long Netflix-like series, as well as a bunch of quizzes, some reflections that you can write, some improv-based exercises, all of which will help you develop the self-awareness the conversational agility and the relationship skills you need to practice radical candor like a boss, even if you aren't the boss. It's hilarious, so it's actually fun to watch, not your grandfather's management training. And in fact, I've probably watched it 500 times and I can't quit, I love it. It stars David Allen Greer and a lot of other people whose names you may not know, but who are really hilarious. We're giving our podcast listeners 10% off the individual self-paced course. So go to improvisingradicalcandor.com and enter feedback at checkout. That's improvisingradicalcandor.com, promo code feedback, and let's get radical. Let's get radical. So another thing that has happened since we, since we relaunched the podcast is that we're all working from home, is the COVID crisis. And one of the big pieces of advice that we give in Radical Candor is to have these conversations in person. And by and large, that's not possible right now. So one of the things we've been thinking about are tips we can give people to help show they care personally, even when working remotely. One of the things, Kim, that you've been talking a lot about and that we as a team have been doing a lot is checking in with each other and just the importance of a check-in to kind of ramp up on the care personally. So Kim, what is a check-in? A check-in is about three to five to seven minutes at the beginning of a meeting that gives everybody an opportunity to express how they're doing. In fact, we should do it right now. Should we just do a check-in? I think that's a great idea. How you doing, Amy? You were, feeling, you were feeling sick yesterday. Are you feeling better today? I, I haven't you. even asked you. I have been a check-in hypocrite. We've been talking all this time, and I haven't checked in. A check-a-crit. Uh, <laughs> thank you for... See, the check-in is already bearing fruit. It, it, 
it actually, even in terms of a mindfulness thing, one of the things that comes up a lot is it's actually just being aware of what's happening in the moment, but the hardest thing is to actually remember to do it. So it's like, oh, the hardest thing of a check-in might be to actually remember to check in. So here we are remembering to check in. I thank you so much. I am feeling much better. And I will say one of the things we noticed is that the last time um, that we were connecting in a meeting was at the end of the day. And we, I think not feeling so energetic. And so we're meeting now in the morning. And so just noticing how time of day, like right now it's morning, I'm feeling really fresh. I'm so excited to, to be recording this with all of you. And even though the listener will not see your faces, I am seeing your faces and that brings me great joy. That's how are you, Jason? Um, I'm doing well. Yeah, I, I, I also feel fresh. I had my first uh, meeting this morning at, at 8 a.m. and we were talking about uh, building out some really cool virtual reality simulations where you can practice radical candor. And that was just such a fun exercise to think like what kinds of situations would we want to find ourselves in uh, to allow us to practice radical candor. So um, I, I love starting the day with creative work like that. And, um, and so it, it really gave me a big boost. Um, so I'm, I'm feeling good about today. How about you, Kim? I'm a little exhausted. I had to wake up at 5.15 this morning, and I hate waking up at 5.15. But it was, it was actually really cool. I was doing a, a fireside chat as the sun was rising to about 1,000 people, and I had to do it at 5.15 because the people were all over the world. And it was a great conversation. So, so I'm feeling simultaneously energized and exhausted. This is awesome. You know, Kim, I just, for our listeners, I have to do, uh, there were some air quotes around fireside chat. And then as she was talking about the sun rising, there was a, a hand gesture of sort of demonstrating the rising sun. And so, so for those of you who, who didn't see that, I just want you to imagine Kim Scott in her trademark uh, orange sweater with the rising sun. But you bring up an important point, which is really around time zones and being sensitive to time zones. So one of our tips was always around, as you said, you know, to the extent that we can be in person, be in person. How about checking in when you've got a lot of different time zones? How, how should we think about that for teams that are geographically dispersed? I think that that one of the things that I like to do was have, it's, it's twice the work, but half the pain. So it's, it seems worthwhile, <laughs> is have meetings. If you're based in, in the U.S., you have twice the number of meetings, some on European time zones and some on, uh, on Asian time zones. And that means that even though you're attending more meetings, you're not up at 5.15 in the morning. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is 6 a.m. California time, which is okay, uh, which is okay for most of the world. Yeah, Jason? and that, that actually affects us as a team too, because uh, most of our team is in California and uh, Nora Wilcox, who's our head of operations, is in Texas. And so we'll often schedule meetings at uh, times that run into when Nora should be eating or should be done for the day and not be fully aware of it. And so I think the, um, the, the, the main thing to keep in mind is that time of day certainly has, uh, has an impact. And especially right now, when we don't really know what everybody needs to do in order to be successful trying to work at home during a crisis. Uh, I think being sensitive to either finding ways to adjust schedules to, to sort of meet people where they are um, or 
uh, or at the very least being open to the feedback that a meeting needs to move around in order to make it easier for other people to attend is just especially critical. And so, yeah, so apologies to Nora for um, a few dinners that we've run into. We talk a lot about how there was this McSweeney's bingo card going around a lot where it was like meetings have lost meaning and time has lost meaning and meaning has lost meaning. And so to the extent that time actually has happened and we were going into 7 p.m. in Texas, uh, apologies on that. But I want to dig into checking. Uh, our team is quite small. There's five of us that meet uh, regularly. But for, for teams that are larger, we actually got a question from someone who works in the medical profession wanting to do a Zoom check-in for a group of, of 70 people that they work together. And while really excited to connect and to hear what's on people's minds, also mindful that they didn't want it to turn into just an hour-long gripe session. So how do you think about a meaningful check-in for a really lar a larger group? One simple way to do it is with a word cloud. Slido, and there's other technologies as well, allow you to have everyone type in a word about how they're feeling as they enter the meeting. And there's always two or three minutes at the beginning of, of these Zoom sessions where not everybody has arrived yet. And, and it, it aggregates all these words. And if one word gets repeated 15 or 20 times, it gets bigger. And it's a, it's a really cool way to pick up on the mood in a virtual room and to sort of make it explicit. So, so that's one thing to do just to get a sense of how people are doing. Another cool thing to do is to use Zoom's feature where you can break people up into smaller groups and assign them to... Uh, to chat rooms, and you can do it randomly, so you never know, know who you're going to be in the chat room with, and and that's a really good way to offer a uh, sort of a virtual check-in where you don't have to go around, because obviously, if, if you went around to 70 people and you gave everybody a minute, like, that's already a long meeting, and there's no time for the meeting. Yeah, I actually, I had a virtual workshop I led uh, just this week, and we did a check-in uh, with pairs, and they called it Zoom Roulette. And they, yeah. they really like the Zoom roulette of like, you don't know who you're going to get into this room with. And it's a nice way, a nice way to mix, mix folks up. Jason, what's a way that you like to check in with, with larger groups? Yeah. So I, I don't know who exactly to credit this to, but the, one of the ways that I've found to be really helpful is to use a, a simple system like red, yellow, green. And so essentially what you ask people to do is as they're coming into the meeting, you ask them to share their sort of status coming into the meeting as either red, yellow, or green, where red is like, I, I am very distracted. I am coming to this meeting sort of maybe unprepared or I'm very tired today. It can have lots of meetings, but essentially what it says is I'm not ready. <laughs> like I'm here, but I'm not really ready for this conversation. Uh, yellow is somewhere uh, in the middle, right? It's like the, this idea of, you know, I'm present. Uh, I, I might have some stuff going on in the background. I might be a little bit tired, but I, I, I feel like I, I can participate. And green is, you know, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm raring to go. And the reason why I like this system is uh, it really gives you a good temperature check as a group and especially as a lead. If you're responsible for leading a meeting, um, it gives you a sense relatively quickly uh, of like, you know, what the overall color of, of the group is. And especially in a large group, it can be helpful to know that, you know, I'm, I'm red orange, which means 
that maybe I want to spend a little more time paying attention to what might be going on in the background and a little less time on business because the likelihood that people are going to find this meeting very productive if they're super distracted or totally exhausted, regardless of how well I run it, like probably not going to be, be that, that useful. Um, but if you're sort of yellow green, which I'm told is chartreuse, uh, uh, you don't make us spell it. (laughs) I, I would say like, if you're, if you're yellow green, like you probably can get a lot of stuff done that day. And the other reason why it's important, I think is not just, uh, to get the sort of like overall temperature, but to give people, especially if you're the meeting runner, a sense of like the difference between how you're coming into that meeting and how other people are coming into that meeting. Because if the, your, your team is sort of yellow green, and you're red, like that might be a good time to ask for help, right? To say like, I could use, I could use some help right now um, in, in figuring out how to make this meeting productive. And the inverse is also true because we tend to project how we feel onto other people. If you're coming in green and everybody else is red or yellow, like that might be a good time to like reflect and slow down a little bit to pay attention to what's going on. So I, I like it. And you can make this visual. So if you have um, a, a tool... Uh, even like Google Docs uh, or something uh, simple like that, you can have people cr- put a square uh, of their color onto a uh, like a Google presentation or something like that. And that can be a really nice way to visualize this. You know, one thing that I'm thinking of as you're talking we haven't talked about yet is that we can use red, yellow, green at the start of a meeting to get a sense of where people are. But there's also this sense that energy can kind of rise and fall during a meeting, especially if it's getting into lunchtime or dinner time. Or, and so I wonder if during the middle of a meeting or towards at some point you actually do a pulse check and you might have started at green and now you notice there was a text that had come up and now you are in a red state. So I wonder how might we, we bring in red, yellow, green uh, throughout a meeting time? Well, you did it really well, Amy, in a meeting that we were in recently where it was kind of a, a, a contentious topic and we jumped right into it and we, we worked through the issue. I think we were all fine. But at the end of the meeting, you checked in. Uh, we forgot to check in at the, at, the, at the beginning of the meeting. But you did it at the end and you, you just sort of stated your gratitude for how great it was to see everybody. And it was... It was so important. It made me feel so much better about the meeting, and and it allowed us to end on a on a happy note. So, uh, so I thought that was thank you for doing that, Amy. Oh well, thank you for the public praise, Kim. It felt specific <laughs> and sincere to me. No, it was. I, I you know, it's interesting when you work frequently with people and you jump right into business, and then you realize like, oh, we got right into it. We actually forgot to acknowledge that they're human and I'm seeing their faces. Um, so it's a, it's a great reminder. So we can check in anytime in a meeting. Great tip. The other thing, you can use tools like chat, uh, just one or two words. How are you feeling in this moment? And what I like about one or two words is I could be feeling both, Kim, to what you said. I'm kind of excited and exhausted all at the same time. So just knowing that we often hold multiple emotions. And then what if, Jason, you have a whole group that's read and there's a lot of uh, upset. I, I know, Jason, you might have some examples. Kim, you might have some examples of if there's an issue that's like sort of the elephant in the room that's actually coming up through that check-in. How do you think about that? The basic way that I think about this is like, I try to remember what my goal is, right? If depending on what I'm trying to accomplish during that conversation, if my goal is to have a an intense sort of d- debate or discussion about something and everybody's super distracted, like 
that goal is probably not easily achievable unless I address whatever is going on. And so remembering, especially in this moment, right, in the context of COVID-19 and like people trying to work from home during a crisis, like um, people having to provide childcare at the same time that they're trying to work, um, there's a lot that can can get in the way uh, of being productive. And it can be very tempting to sort of force your way through, uh, right. To like get right down to business and try to have that conversation. But my experience is that doing that actually produces not only less than, uh, stellar results. Um, but it also makes people feel excluded and that feeling of sort of like it being ignored or excluded causes additional reductions in productivity. So not only do you feel bad about whatever's going on, but then the, the person running the meeting doesn't even address the fact that you, you know, you're feeling bad. And so then you feel unseen and, and, and that can actually lead to a further dip in productivity that, that, that combination just feels really bad to me. On the other hand, like, I think if you're a very empathetic person in this moment and you're very worried about how people feel, you might, try to go really easy on a conversation when everybody's ready to go. And so like then you've had the opposite problem, which is like you're wasting people's time because they're like they're present, ready to go. And you're trying to ease everybody into it. So I think using that intelligence, sort of using as like tele, uh, telemetry data for how to approach a, a conversation, I, I just find that to be really valuable. I'm kind of an efficiency freak. And one of the things I love about the check-in is that you spend five minutes and you save 30 minutes very yes. often because, yeah. because exactly as you, as you said, Jason, if you are pushing on a team and they are all red, you wind up just kind of looking like a jerk and, uh, and wasting your energy and your breath. Very often, it's tempting to try to dodge issues that get raised, but, but very often, if you just take a minute to address them, you'll get more done more quickly. I think we had a, a question from a listener, Amy, about a concern about this. What was the, what was the question from the listener? Well, it was really that if it if it turns into this gripe session, that yeah, how do you all of a sudden, like, how do you how do you manage that? And so, I think there is, especially in the larger group, you mentioned about the importance of getting into smaller groups because some people can be very sensitive about bringing up more personal issues in a large group. So, those smaller groups can be a way to get into some more. Um, concerning emotional issues. But I think, Kim, you had an example where someone in a meeting brought up uh, a challenging issue that was actually resolved in that meeting because they realized if they didn't resolve it, to Jason's point, if you don't resolve it, you actually are doing more harm than good because you've raised, something has been raised and you're not addressing it. Yeah, very often if so, if one person has an issue, everybody in the meeting has an issue. And, and if you address the issue for everybody all at once, it's way more efficient than trying to do it one, one by one by one by one. It's not a gripe session, it's a problem solving session. But I think it's also important to remember about check-ins that it's not always bad news you get. Like sometimes mm-hmm. people are doing really well. Two of the most memorable check-ins uh, I've ever participated in were good news. Uh, in, in one case, Brian Schreier, who I worked with at Google, was, was doing his check-in. And he, he said, I woke up this morning and I went on a run. And it was one of those crystal clear, spectacularly beautiful California mornings. 
And I'm bringing all that energy with me into this meeting. And very often when I, when I wake up and take my dog out for a walk, I now think of Brian Schreier uh, and I feel a little bit more positively about the world. And I, I, I bring his commitment to bringing that beautiful morning with me throughout the whole day. Another time I was, uh, I was doing a check-in with and Christina Wire, who's on my team at Google, said that she had been up all night in the emergency room with her son. And she's, and I sort of looked at her, I said, well, why don't go home? You must be exhausted. And she said, you know, my, my son was okay by 4.30 this morning and ready and rearing to go for the day. And I thought if he can do it, I can do it. And it was really nice to hear uh, that, uh, that approach to parenthood. I was not a parent at the time. And that moment of Christina saying being in the ER all night long actually helped her do better work that day uh, made me realize maybe maybe it would be possible for me to be, become a parent and still work. So so it made a huge difference, not just to that meeting, but to my whole life. Uh, so so often you get a lot of good news in a check in or a lot of really helpful thoughts in a check in. Well, thank you for sharing. And you know, what's so interesting now that I know about Brian and Christina, like I will take them into my day as well. And I think that's really the power of connecting and storytelling that we can actually be inspired through other people's uh, heroic acts. So onto our radical candor checklist. These are concrete tips you can put into practice at work and at home and when you're working at home. Today's checklist is about checking in during virtual meetings as a way to show some care for the people you work with and also to understand what's important to them in that moment. So first up, keep it simple. Remember red, yellow, green. Red means you're super distracted, yellow, you're kind of here, and green means you're ready to go. Tip number two, for small teams, spend about five, seven minutes at the top of the meeting asking everyone how they're doing. And if you get some challenging feedback, take the time in the meeting to address it. Tip number three. For larger groups, use tools like chat, word clouds, or getting into pairs or small groups via breakout rooms to get a pulse check. For more tips, check out the show notes for this episode. This is season two, episode two at radicalcandor.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. Our podcast features Radical Candor co-founders Kim Scott and Jason Rosoff, is produced by our director of content, Brandy Neal, and hosted by me, Amy Sandler. Music is by Cliff Goldmacher. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Candor and find us online at RadicalCandor.com. We'll see you soon.